You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hi, everyone. New podcast from Paris here. I'm Ed McGrogan speaking with Pete Bodo, who's out at Roland Garros. Um, first, some apologies for yesterday as we had some technical problems with that one, uh, but we're back today, and Pete, a pretty... Uh, pretty significant day obviously quarterfinals began and you had um two results of great consequence this morning and this afternoon you had serena williams um taken to a third set to um and down a break in the third by svetlana kuznetsova before serena comes back and wins that in three and then this afternoon you have federer going down in three very three quick sets under two hours to sanga uh putting him and france into the semifinals. So uh, I'm just going to leave it to you. Where do you want to start with today? Well, I mean, the first match on Langland was Serena Kuznetsova. It was a little t- conditions were a little tough today. It's, it's very easy not to, it's very easy to, to you know, uh, misunderstand or underestimate how tough these conditions can be. This is a very windy stadium here. The Chartres is worse than Langland, and Serena was having a little bit of trouble getting dialed in. Now, she did ultimately, um, after a couple of games in her first set, and then just ripped through the first set. We thought she was going to kind of roll home with, with an easy big win, but there was a huge shift of momentum then, and Kuznetsova started to play really well while Serena's game really declined. I mean, I don't need to give you a blow-by-blow, game-by-game, but it was actually an interesting match for Serena because I think it really tested her. It really gave her kind of a wake-up call for what might lie in store, and I think that the fact that she got through it is going to be valuable to her coming in the upcoming days. Yeah, I mean, do you think that potentially that is the biggest roadblock that she'll have to get over in this tournament? Because she has such a strong record against pretty much the entire rest of the field. And I think a lot of people were were talking that Kuznetsova, with that, she's such a wild card that she could potentially be the really the one stumbling block out of anybody left in the draw. Yeah, I think that's I think that's that's the case. I don't think Serena was worried about that going in. I think Serena just kind of you know, she did start to choke there. I don't think she thought 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 about Kuznetsova being particularly tough because look she just blew her out in the first set I think it was just a sense of here I am in the quarters you know I just I, I rolled to the first set she kind of lost she lost hold of the narrative there and I think she basically just you know and, and then she got tight Kuznetsova started to play well so and, and at that point I think she she realized man I gotta I gotta basically batter my way out of trouble which is exactly what she did it was very very tight in that third set she almost went down three love fought off three break points to, to, to stay with within one, one game of uh, Kuznetsova, and that made a big difference. Yeah, I think a lot of people do wonder what may have happened if uh, Serena did go down that double break there for 3-0, and uh, you never end up finding out that that was, as you said, the pivotal game of that match, you know, for absolute certain. So if she goes on, we'll meet Irani in the semis uh, on Thursday. And then, you know, on the men's side here, of course, first off, we have Tommy Robredo. His run ends against Ferrer. He goes down even quicker than Federer and Sanga. These were two extremely uh, tidy matches. And, uh, you know, the Sanga-Federer Songa, one is, um, you know, it didn't look at the start like this might turn out this way. I mean, Roger did lead by a break early on. And then the wheels just kind of really seemed to come off his game a bit and, 
you know, Sanga is such a, I think, a momentum player. He's shown that against Federer before at Wimbledon where he's beaten him. And it just seemed like once he got a grasp on the match, he really didn't let go. And to his credit, he closed it out, you know, before things could get interesting for Roger again. Well, all credit to Joe Willie on that one. I mean, yeah, Roger did have a break there early at 40-15. But, you know, you could see that kind of building. I mean, Sanga, and look, Sanga just played lights out tennis. He's uh, He's riding high, you know, he's... He's, I think, you know, this move with Roger Rashid, he spoke a little bit about his coaching, about his decision to hire Rashid as a coach in his press conference afterwards. I, I wrote a fair amount about that in my post today, but, you know, I think he's he's really sort of on a high, and I think the real question still remains, can can he put it together? He He's the one who put the question to us perfectly the other day. He said, look, I mean, I know I can beat any, every one of these guys, but can I beat two of them back-to-back or three of them back-to-back to, to win a title? So that's exactly what he's up against, and oddly enough, he's, you know, as big as this win was, all he's done is fulfilled the first half of that analysis, which he's done before. You know, he beat a top name. Now what comes next? The scary part for him, I think, is that David Ferrer is, is really playing well. Look, Ferrer is ranked ahead of ahead of Tsonga. He's got a much better record than Tsonga on red clay. He's, uh, he's never been in a Grand Slam final himself. The motivation is huge here. And, you know, it, you know it's, Tsonga's going to have to play at the level he played today to win that match. No, I agree. And I think, especially because I think if you look at what Ferrer's done over the last about seven or eight months, it all does seem to follow that traditional sports storyline of kind of building up step by step. Um, even though, you know, this is not a young player, he's, you know, he won his first Masters title last fall. He really should have won Miami earlier on in the year. He He's played Rafa actually pretty well on clay. I mean, you're not going to get a better barometer of your performance than that. And of course, this tournament, Ferrer's been pretty much untouchable. So, uh, it's. I do think, as you say, that uh, that Sanga is going to need because he's going to get a tougher test than he got today. I'm almost sure about that from Ferrer, and and it's not going to be. You know, I think I, I wrote a little bit that people might have thought that Federer and Sanga was sort of this de facto semifinal on this side of the draw, and it's really going to. You know, Joe's going to get a huge test on Friday there. So yeah, the de facto and, semifinal is the semifinal we have. You know, I mean. You're right, though. I know exactly what you mean, and I think that's really true. And that puts a lot of pressure. On, that puts a lot more pressure on Joe. Yeah, and why don't you give the uh, the last word on Federer? I mean, if you probably once saw his press conference, um, obviously we you know we talked about it. Just certainly was not a great match for him uh, on the court. But you know, I think people do want to know maybe your impressions of kind of where this leaves Roger. And uh, you know, he has Wimbledon, of course, coming up. This is obviously his weakest. Slam traditionally, but this is still, I think, kind of a surprise for a lot of people to see. Well, look, let me quote him. He said, I'm sad. But also, at the same time, he said, look, Joe Willie outplayed me in every single department. More power to him. You know, he sort of threw a little nod toward the French crowd, saying, look, these guys, these French guys play with a lot more energy in France, and it's actually always been true. Federer's always been able to handle that. So, you know, that's, you know, that's essentially how it, um, you know, how how it plays out. But I think, um, you know, Roger looked you know, given the circumstances, he looked pretty relaxed. I mean, he wasn't going to try to, you know, fool anybody by by coming up with some great explanation for exactly, you know, for, for what happened. That was other than what we saw, which is that he got blown off the court. Right. Well, we'll talk to you tomorrow after the second uh, set of quarterfinals, and then we'll have the final fours 
all put together. So thank you once again, Pete, and uh, we will be back tomorrow with another podcast from Parrots here on Tennis.com. Good deal. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. Thank you.